0: I want to say good morning, everyone. It is good to be here. I am so grateful for all the feedback that that I received from last Sunday, and I wasn't initially supposed to be up here, so I guess I'll be Danny today. <laughs> His name was on the schedule. Uh, I kept thinking through and just talking to the Lord of what is it that really, what clicked with people's hearts? What, what was it? And, and he said, it's the words that I already deposited in them. So he, he connected some dots for some people. And it, it's, it's, this is part of learning from him is it, it's not a one-time thing. It just happened to be that that he took some some Rhema words that he had deposited. There were seeds in there. There was things that, that he had been building, and he was able to connect them. And and he's not done. There is so much more. And I I was asking asking him, you know, what what do I focus on today? Because it, it, it just feels like there's no way, I, I still no way that I can share everything that needs to be shared. And so I'm not planning to. Uh, I do have a specific word that the Lord has put on my heart for today. And it is, it is so freeing. It's, it, it, it is wonderful. So stick with me as we go through this. Uh, I, I want to just do a little recap, just in case you weren't here, last Sunday I taught on the true meaning of stewardship, and that true stewardship is managing God's wealth. And I mentioned the four types of giving, which we can put that up here. These are the types of giving and the motivation behind them. So tithe, the motivation is obedience. First fruits is generosity. Alms is Compassion. And seed is faith and reward. So if you missed that message, go back and listen to it. And the other thing I wanted to mention, I, I said it last time as well, but you can go to wingardministries.org, And on the left-hand side is a video player. The right-hand side is a, a podcast player. If you have Spotify or you have other podcasts, you can go and find Hope for Today. See the little logo, Hope for Today by Wingard Ministries. You can search for that. And there's a whole bunch of messages in there that you can find, maybe drilling down a little bit deeper and, and some more specifics on this. Uh, so I want to encourage you to go there, spend some time just listening, and see where the Lord takes you. Now, I had people responding, and I kept thinking, I, I'm not sure, if did I generate more questions than, than answers? Like, well, what about this? What about that? And And it was really good because I, I was able to get uh, a little more of a, of a pulse of where everyone is. And so I'm not going to try to answer all the questions, although there are a couple things that I just want to talk about because they are foundational. And we, we can move on once we've, once we've established some of these things. Some of these are, it's my belief, it's my wife and I, the, the way we operate, And if the Lord leads you differently, we're not offended. Do what he says. Uh, But this is kind of where we're at. Four different things. The one was, where should the tithe go? Second one, how do I know what is seed? Third one, (laughs) what do you mean poor people love money more than rich people? And the fourth one, well, this was a comment. This seems simple, but then it gets complicated when I apply it to myself when I try to make application to my own bank accounts and finances, and and it just seemed to to get complicated. So first of all, the tithe, uh, our belief is that the tithe should go where you're fed. The tithe should go where you are receiving the rhema words, and that is predominantly where you attend church. That's why a lot of people will say, give tithe where you attend church. Uh, There have been times where We have received a rhema word from another minister or another church. And we have felt like the Lord has said, just take a portion of your tithe and give it to them. So we have felt freedom in tithing that uh, we do what the Lord says. We we take it to him. We say, "Okay, what now? What about this? And then he reminds us of things uh, at, at times that we have gleaned from other people. But it is, for the most part, it is where we attend church. There is a storehouse principle that I mentioned last time, Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And so there's a lot of teachings out there that talk about the tithe coming into the storehouse of the church, and I believe that to be true. But there are personal storehouses, and this is something that has really set us free in, in how we take each time, each paycheck or however, however your, your finances come in, and we process them, my wife and I. So we, have, we actually have two storehouses. The one is our tithe storehouse. So every time, and what, I do remote deposit, so I'll take a check and I'll do a deposit, and before I shut the app, I transfer the tithe. I don't let myself go a minute because I don't want to forget. I don't want to get it mixed up somewhere. So we have a separate account. We have multiple bank accounts because of this, but it, it simplifies it. So we transfer our tithe into a separate account and that's a checking account. So we can just give easily with that. The second storehouse is a seed storehouse. And I actually labeled it in our banking, seed storehouse. It's like a silo. It's, it is, it's a savings account. It's, some, it's a place that when the Lord designates seed, like he'll say, Take a portion of this, and that is seed. And you just take it, and you stick it in the silo. Because seed can stay dormant for a long time until it's placed in the ground. So I think a lot of times we miss the fact that all of humanity up for a long time was agricultural. There was just, it was farming. You would sow, you would reap. And so these principles work this way. Think of it like a farmer. We are all farmers. We're faith farmers is what we are. And we, we use, God uses our finances to grow our faith. This is, this is how he does it. And so there is, uh, that's a simple thing that we've done where we're able to designate, and then when, when it's time to sow, he says, hey, you have some seed in the silo? Get this much and sow it there. I'm just telling you that, that's, that's uh, one thing that we have learned to do. The seed... I mentioned it in just a little bit ago. The seed is what he designates. So when, when you're asking for seed, when you're asking for, for direction, and he, he says this amount is seed, I want to uh, take you to 2 Corinthians 9.10, uh, the first verse that we're going to look at. It says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness." We're going to come back to this verse and kind of the verses around it toward the end of the message, but it's very simple. He is the one that supplies seed to the sower. This is why we, if you think of a steward, you think of the manager, someone who is managing God's wealth. You have a portion that is designated by the king. This is seed. Uh, I have a. A bunch of stories that I've been thinking through, like what stories do I tell, which ones do I, you know, move on to other stuff. And I have a story, it's my $100 story, so if you've heard it, uh, some people that would have come to our Bible study have probably heard this, but it, uh, the, the comment that I would have to start this is, don't eat your seed, don't sow your bread. I did both in one story. So I had, while I was at Karis Bible College, I had, uh, I had told the Lord that I'm, I'm going to live by faith. I'm not going to bail him out. There, the amount of money that, that we had to live was taking care of my wife and five children, and, uh, and there wasn't more for me to, to just siphon off of that. So I said, Lord, you, you provide. So I did a job, helped a guy out. Um, construction job a guy needed some help and so I went and helped him and he paid me he gave me uh $20 bills it was $180 and so I I sat before the Lord and I I fanned these out like like playing cards 20 bucks you know $20 bills and I said okay Lord lead me what is this and just like that it was $20 is tithe okay great $60 is seed Okay, I took the $60 and folded it up. All right, so I had $100 left. And he said, spend this on yourself. And I said, okay, well, that's really simple. I mean, that's it's basic. So I, I stuck them in my wallet, kind of folded them separately so I knew what to do. Gave my tithe at church. And then throughout the next week, uh, like the first day, I found the person to sow seed. Uh, it, was, it was obvious, it was like the Lord said, sow your seed, and so I did. And then the rest of the week, I was presented with need after need after need after need. And I, I mean, I felt bad. These people needed some, they, they needed help with So I, I mean, I kept thinking, well, it's, 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 I'm generous. I'm just being generous. So I'd, I'd take some money and give, you know, buy somebody lunch or, you know, do something. I ended up with about $25 of that 100 And it ended up getting spent. And I said, well, Lord, I'm going to need some money. And he said, I gave you money. I said, well, what, what do you mean? He said, I gave you $100. That was for you. I said, I know, but, you know, this happened. And I gave it to this person and that person. And he said, let me teach you something. That was Bread you sowed your bread and it won't grow. It will rot. If you stick bread in the ground, what's going to happen? Are you going to get a bread plant? No, it's it's nothing. He had designated it as bread and it was for me to eat. And I had sowed it. So the next day, or uh, it was actually that morning, there there was worship time at, at the college and Mondays and Wednesdays were worship time, so I was up front getting ready to worship. The worship team was getting started, and a guy comes up to me, and he pulls a little thing out of his back pocket, and he says, the Lord told me to give you this, and like he's holding it, and I, I went to grab it, and as I went to take it from him, he held on to it, and he said, but it comes with a message. This is only to be spent on you. Nobody else. This is just for you. And I went to take it. And he said, don't even tithe on it. I'm like, okay, okay. So I took it. I didn't know how much it was. Stuck it in my pocket. During the worship set, I mean, it's. I'm just worshiping, and I'm talking to the Lord, and, and I, I said, I don't agree with that guy. Like, I don't agree. Like, I want to tithe. I really... Want to tithe. It's not like it's a hardship. I, 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 want, I at least want to give tithe. At the end of the worship set, same guy comes up to me. Don't argue with a prophet, by the way. You lose. You just lose. Because he comes up to me, and he's, he comes within a few inches of my face and is yelling at me. Like he was like, I'm not going to try and do it here because you'd probably get scared. But he he said... God told me that you were arguing with him during worship. (laughs) And he said, you were telling him you're not even, you're going to tithe. You were arguing with the message. He said, that's unfaithful. You do what he says, or he can't give you more. When you're faithful with this, there will be zeros on, on the back end of the next gift. But you have to be faithful with this. Like he was like spitting in my face, like yelling at me. And he turned and walked away. I reached in my pocket and I pulled that out, and it was $100. So my unfaithfulness of sowing my bread in generosity, he said, Let me teach you with this. And he restored it again. And he said, Now use this like I said. Baby, I didn't spend, I didn't give that to anybody. I spent, I spent it all on myself. And I had fun with it. I even bought chips. <laughs> like, I like I liked potato chips. And, and it, you know, there's no nutritional value. But I was like, well, this is awesome. I'm going shopping. And uh, so I learned something in that. And that's my $100 story. We may come back to that. All right, so the, uh, the second thing that I wanted to mention about just the being faithful with what we have. One of the comments of, what do you mean poor people love money more than rich people? I just want to say, don't worry about it. Don't, don't get hung up on who's poor, who's rich. Because you, your focus is on the wrong thing. In fact, if I think about it, we're all rich come on, like you've heard it, you look around, you look, look in other parts of the world. We're all rich. Even if you say, I have so many debts I can't see, even if, you know, whatever. Chances are when you're looking at answers for your situation, chances are you're going to look to money. I do it all the time it's just so natural. It's like when you're used to pulling out your wallet to pay for something, you look in your wallet to see what's in there. There's no condemnation in that, but he's telling you, this is what he was telling me. (laughs) He's like, "Uh, yeah, you're in that same camp. The reason is, it's not about how much you have, it's how much control it has over you. See, the spirit of mammon is a spirit of control, and there is, I do believe, there is a major spirit of control over this area. It's not condemnation. This is revealing. This is so we can recognize it when we see it, and we can resist it, and we can do it God's way. When, when you have to decide, you make the final decision on where your money gets spent, you are now in control of it, not God. Again, no condemnation We need to just reset often. One of the things I've said is is, uh, be a quick repenter. Turn around quickly. When you you realize something, do an about face and go the other way. My wife and I need to reset on finances all the time. We just do. We're making a decision. We look at it. We say, okay, what about this? And, And we stop and we go, hold on. Wait, wait, we've been here before, like 50 times. Stop. Lord, we worship you. We honor you. Thank you for what, thank you for all you, da, da, da. And we And we, we turn our hearts to worship, and we say, Lord, what would, we, what would you have us do? We reset, just reset and reset and reset and reset. Don't worry about, oh, I haven't learned this. Yes, you have. You are learning it. In the, in the process of repentance, you are learning it. You're learning to steward, as he says. You, as the steward, are going to the king for direction on a continual basis. Don't let the devil try to condemn you and say, oh, you should have gotten this. Just tell him, go fly a kite. All right, let's look at uh, Luke 12, 15 to 20. And this is Jesus. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, "'The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully.' And he thought within himself, saying, "'What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops?' So he said, "'I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, "'Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years.' Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? A couple things I want to I highlight here. The first verse, one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Jesus is saying, don't look at the things. It's not about the things. It's not about how much or how little. So that's the first comment. When you're looking and thinking of yourself, strip away everything that you would place around you as part of your things. Strip it away. Just see yourself before God without any of the the things. See, he doesn't... Okay, we'll we'll, we'll get further into that. The, The rich man said, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. And this could be... Uh, man, my four hundred one k is pretty big. Like, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Or I've been I've been throwing money in a Roth IRA for you know max it out for year after year after year, and this is great. I I can just chill out. See, if I start to talk about retirement, I start to talk about Okay, what is my focus? As a young person, as an old person, we see it differently. A young person says, I'm going to work my tail off as hard as I can. I'll work nights. I'll work long days. I'll, I'll, I'll do overtime. I'll work, 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 work. So that I don't have to work, 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 work. See, it's not about the retirement or not. Again, life, one's life does not consist of the, th- the abundance of things he possesses in an, in an IRA, in a 401k, in anything. See, I let you think that I was going to attack your retirement, but I'm not going to. That's not what it's about. The point is, where is your heart? If you have full trust in your IRA, you should address your heart. You should take it to the Lord. If your trust is in him, he may have laid up a lot of seed for you. He may have laid up something for you that, sure, you can live off of it, but you can do more than you ever thought. If you follow his direction, he's not about trying to take stuff from you. He wants to give it to you. In fact, I'm going to keep going and read verses 31 through 34. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Listen to this. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The last time we did a little exercise to discover where our treasure is, had everybody kind of get their wallet out and hand it to the person behind them. So if you missed that, it's a fun exercise to do. Hand your wallet to a stranger. You realize how tied you are to it, how, how much you care about what's in there, and about really what, what it represents. So continually test your heart by giving. Test your heart to see how much it's tied to your, to your finances. When I think of the verse that says, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, that goes against what a lot of people say, well, you know, God wants you to just barely have enough. He wants to provide an abundance. He is an abundant God. He really, really is. If we'd only understand this uh, truly, we would be able to see his heart. Now, when I think of The comment where Jesus says, Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. There's another whole uh, teaching on that. I'm not going to go into that, but there is a way. If you think of building treasure, where is your treasure? Jesus didn't say, Don't have treasure, did he? He said, Build treasure. Build treasure. And this is real treasure. This is usable here on the earth. But it's not stored here. It's stored by giving. See, giving is the only way to take a physical value and transfer it to spiritual. Do you understand? There is is an actual transaction that happens. When you take physical money and you give it, it becomes spiritual. It becomes seed that begins to grow in the spirit. I wish I could take some time and just talk about some more specifics with this, because when we learn this, when we really understand it, we will see that God's heart is for us to have way more than we ever thought possible. Now, I want to look at Mark 10, verses 17 through 30. This is where Jesus gave an instruction of a young man to transfer his physical wealth to spiritual Verse 17, now as he was going out on the road, one came running. Notice this guy was running up to him. I I found that interesting. Knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, "'Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth.' Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him," notice that, "'and said to him, "'One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me.' But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions." Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. These verses have been greatly misunderstood. I, when I think of the teachings that I've heard on this, I had to go and, and just sort of wipe the slate clean and say, Lord, what are you teaching me? What are you showing me? There's so much going on. Jesus is saying, you need to acknowledge me as God. He says there's only one good, that it's God. That's me. And, and the man just calls him teacher. So this rich young ruler was... He, he was trying to earn his way. He was trying to say, okay, what can I do? I have everyth- I've done everything else. It's like a guy who's, who's climbed the corporate ladder and, he's, and he's, he, he's the CEO, he's got there, he's got plenty of money, and he says, what else can I do? See, this guy was just trying to acquire more for himself. That was his heart. That's why Jesus said, your heart is so wrapped up in everything that you have Give it all away and you will have treasure in heaven. What he was saying is you have an abundance of earthly wealth. Take that and transfer it to spiritual wealth. Transfer it. He was giving this guy the opportunity of a lifetime. He was saying, I have the best investment you'll ever make. It's like when Bitcoin was just getting started. You know, you don't know what it is. You go, hey, it's $8 for one of those things. Right? Jesus said, transfer it. Take it. And put it into the kingdom. When we think of the kingdom of God, verses 23, 24, and 25 talk about the kingdom of God. I want to dispel another myth here, okay? Those verses do not mean you get to heaven when you die. They're not talking about getting to heaven. See, he says... How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? He's not saying it's hard for a rich man to get to heaven. It has nothing to do with getting to heaven when the man dies. I'm going to prove it to you. In Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, and believe in the gospel. There's actually another one here, Liz. I don't know if you can put it up here. Mark 14, 42. This this is proof that he's saying the kingdom of God is now. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Do you think Judas was somewhere off in the future? When he's saying the kingdom of heaven, he said, hey, guys, Judas is here. He, he's he's he, right there. He is. It's the same for the kingdom of God. Listen to this. This is how he's describing it. He says how hard it is for those who have riches to access the principles and live in the blessings of the kingdom of God. How hard it is for the, for the rich man to enter into the kingdom way of living. See, the kingdom of God is now. I don't think we believe it yet. (laughs) I don't think we quite grasp it, that it's not somewhere off in the future. He's saying, if your trust is in riches, this is why he says it the second time, his disciples went, "What, what, what do you mean? Is it possible for any of us? And he said, how hard it is for those who trust in riches. See, the title for this message, Ownership or Stewardship, it's all about trust. It's all about trust. So there's an invitation today. God is inviting you to place your trust in him, 100%. Your trust. The only way you can trust him is if you give over the ownership, everything that you own, and you give it to him. See, if you don't trust that he's good, you won't give it to him. If you don't believe that he has your best interest at heart, you won't give it to him because you have to protect yourself. There's an invitation. This is an amazing invitation. Now, the next set of verses, this is Jesus and what he says about this in Revelation. And I want, I really want you guys just to, just to process what he's saying. When I first read this, he gave me these scriptures and I said, oh man, this is, this is kind of hard. This is a hard, and he said, no, 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 I am freeing you. I'm setting you free. I'm setting you free. Listen to this. Revelation 3.14 through 19. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm... Neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, poor, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see." As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Okay, repent does not mean just sit there and be sorry for stuff. Repent just means change your thinking. Turn around. See it differently. Think of this the way he sees it. So when I read this and I was like, man, I'm going to be, I'm calling people wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. This is, this is like, and i, I I remembered something. Has anybody here seen The Matrix? The movie The Matrix? Come on, raise your hands. This is a, this, the Matrix is an amazing movie showing uh, some, some, some great biblical truths, by the way. In the movie, it shows this system that controls all the people. And Neo, the main character, it shows him as he's in this, like, incubation chamber. And he's attached to this machine, this system, machine, that just draws life from humans. Okay, so if you haven't seen the movie, you're like, this is a terrible movie. I'm not watching that one. But here's the thing. When you, when you see yourself before the Lord, being stripped of everything, you have nothing to, to, to support yourself with. You think you do. You go, oh, well, we've got, we've got this laid up, we've got that laid up, and we've got, there's, the world would have to really collapse a lot for us not to have what we need. That reveals where your trust is. Don't, don't run away from this. He is setting you free, but he's not trying to take everything from you to make you, in the world, wretched, poor, miserable, naked, blind. He doesn't want you that way in the world. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be able to thrive through his kingdom principles in the world today. Because when people see you, they should see his heart. Is God's heart to make you wretched, poor, miserable, blind, naked? Is that his heart? Of course not his heart is to bless you and to show his goodness to others around you. So when i think of this these two pictures kind of juxtapose against each other and i think man i i don't i'm i'm still even just up here talking about it it's like i'm not comfortable thinking of myself as having nothing to support myself before the greatest king of the universe. He i i feel undone. I feel so blank but then he comes to you and he clothes you with a white robe and he puts his ring on your finger and he says, you have my authority. You have everything. He takes you to his treasury and he says, see all this, it's all yours. And he takes you to all of the places that he would go. He says, you're free to go. You're free to be my ambassador. You're free to be my son. You're free See, it's like the prodigal coming back to the father and saying, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. And the father says, kill the fatted calf. We're we're throwing a party. That is the heart of the father. He wants you to be able to experience the white robe of his blessing, the signet ring of his authority and the blessing of his treasury. Jesus says, buy from me gold refined in the fire you realize that gold that Jesus is talking about is tangible ability to do what he says on the earth? I'm going to prove this to you. Do you remember reading last time in Luke 16, uh, where it says, he that is faithful, I don't actually have that up here. He that's faithful in least is faithful also in much. So why does Jesus say money is the least of these principles in the kingdom? He says that you got to get this first. If you don't get this, you still will trust in yourself. See, it comes down to trust. It comes down to what are you willing to turn over to him? When you trust him to take care of your needs, your wants, your desires, you'll trust him with your life. See, what do you trust? I dare you to take down a piece of paper and write write some things down. Do you trust your family? Your friends? The government? <laughs> don't trust the government. Uh Do you trust yourself? your own abilities, your hands, your creativity, your ingenuity? Where do you, where's your trust? Allow yourself to be honest. You don't gain anything by denying or moving away from this and, and, and trying to shield yourself from it. Just look at it with open eyes and say, Lord, open my eyes. Show me, show me, because he has good things in store for you. When, the, when you are willing to take the test, stand before him and say, show me where my trust is. And he says, okay, I want you to give this. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you say, "Ah, I'm not convinced that, that I can do this. And he says, don't worry about all these things. Your life does not consist of the abundance of what you possess. Look me in the eyes. Look at me. When you're able to see his face, when you're able to hear his his voice and you're able to follow his leading like that, you can do what he says. You will know that he's good. He will prove it to you over and over and over. True success in the kingdom of God is not money. It's trust. Trust is really, if I would say the true gold in the kingdom of God, it's trust. When you can establish in your own heart full and complete trust, trust. That is true success. When I think of stewardship and and saving money, I think of scraping together stuff and kind of storing it up for a, you know, a hard time. And that to me feels like, okay, all right, I, I have myself taken care of. I begin to, on a continual basis, I begin to look at that. And he says, look back at me. Look at that. Look back at me. So this is, again, a reminder to say, he is the one that supplies for you. He is the one. Let's go to uh, Mark 12, 41 to 44. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. <laughs> okay, so you want to test? Uh, Lamar is going to stand in the back, and he's going to, he's going to have the, the offering box open, and he's going to look in it as you put stuff in. He's, like, he's going to open the envelope and look at your check. He's going to count the, well, he's shaking his head. He's not going to do that. <laughs> Jesus sat beside the treasury. It says opposite the treasury. Another translation says beside the treasury. And he watched what was put in. Now for them, it was coins. So it was easy to, okay, there's a lot and there's a little. And he, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine people's response if the pastor would sit next to the offering box <laughs> and watch you give? It uh, probably wouldn't go over very good, Lamar. But Jesus was making a comment to his disciples saying, learn from this. Learn from this. It's not about the amount. It's a percentage. It's, it's what is she willing to release in her trust? See, she gave out of her poverty, she gave all that she had. Would the rich person be willing to give all that he had? See, how hard is it for those who, have, who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom way of living. Do you think that widow was then left without food and she had nothing to take care of her? Do you think God took care of her? See, his heart is to take care of the widows and the orphans. He took care of her. Jesus wouldn't have highlighted that if he wouldn't have. So think of this. When you're going to give and you go, I don't have enough, that is the best opportunity you have because you give a bigger percentage. There was a time where my wife and I were uh, we had started a business and it was it, it was not doing that great, it was not doing good and didn 't take a paycheck for a long time and ended up this is a longer story, but we ended up with nothing left and uh, i had I had even pulled out our IRAs because I, the lord said this is you have money, you still have money and so I, I was able to get to a place where I, I sat before the Lord, and I said, all right, I got you. I don't have anything left. And he said, you still have that. And I thought, man, don't don't take the last thing I got. I had a, an envelope with $1,000 in it. My wife didn't even know I had it. I had stuck it in there. It was $1,000 bills. And I thought, if I need to buy milk or something for the kids, I'll be able to take out of that. And I said, okay, all right, what do you want me to do with it? He said, give it away. <laughs> and I said, okay, I, I mean, I don't have, at this point, I said, I, I'm committed to following you. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not even going to worry about it. So we were doing a, an offering thing and, and I took that envelope Stuck it in my coat. I didn't even want to open it because I didn't want to. I didn't want to touch it because I was afraid I'd change my mind. And I, I, I walked up, laid it on the stage in this this offering, and uh, I'm standing there and I said, "Lord, is there anything else you want?" And he said, "Yeah, take your coat off and put it on there too." I had a leather coat on. I liked it. I had a you know had it a while. So I took my leather coat off and I laid it on there too. I said, you want my shoes? You want my shirt? He goes, no, you're good. We're good. Now I know you won't hold anything back. And then he spoke to me, and this is a word that I wanted to leave with you. He said, most people never allow themselves the privilege of having nothing. Now when I think of standing before the king, Stripped of everything. I I have nothing to offer him of my own provision, my own abilities, my own things. That quickly, he can look past all the things that we would normally stand before him with. And he looks at your heart. See, for me, it took something. I was hanging on to it so closely that it took something like that. Doesn't mean that's the way it is for anyone else. Don't take my story and, be, and think that that has to happen for you. It doesn't. It, just go to him. If you go to him and you lay everything down, his heart is to draw you completely with just your person, just you. Again, this, this is to singular focus. You looking straight into the eyes of the king. Allow him to lead you. Allow yourself to stand before him stripped, nothing to offer him, and you will see the love in his eyes. You will hear his voice, and he will will bring things to you. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He really wants it. He wants you to be able to, to use things to bless others and to live. But if your heart is turned to it, he can never get you the true riches, the true kingdom. He can never really show you the depths of his love through healing. He can never show you the, 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 his heart of restoration that Jesus talked about in Luke 4. I want to end with verses in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That's a lot of alls and abundance right there. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Okay. These verses take these verses and meditate on them. Take all all week, take as long as you need to meditate on these verses. If at any point you feel a, a compulsion to give. If, if, if we would have baskets up here and we would say, okay, now how did the message hit you? Come up front and, and, and give. Do this. And you feel a compulsion, you're out of line. Don't give out of compulsion. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. It's not up to anyone else. It's not up to... to just go to him. See, he knows where you're at. He will not ask you to do things that will not build you up and lead you and grow you. His heart is to grow you. So take it to him. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Be cheerful. Find the joy in this, and it is joy unspeakable, full of glory. I promise you. It is so, these verses in 2 Corinthians 9 have so set me free, set us free from the the bondage of trying to to control things. If you look at even verse eight, where it says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I mean, okay, so that's a little excessive. (laughs) Like he's just, he goes on and on and on because I think we wouldn't believe it. We wouldn't understand it. We would go, yeah, okay, he's got all things for me. No, he, he goes over and over and over and over above, saying God's heart is so that when you, when you reach in, you need, you need a $5 bill, you've got 200 That's all sufficiency in all things, and abundance for every good work. His heart is that you have way more than you'll ever need. I mean it. When you live according to his way, you will have need of nothing. I promise, it's his promise. He has, he has said, do it my way and i have way more than you can ever get he can do more in an hour than you can do in 10 years promise you he is amazing at how he does stuff i could go story after story whether they're mine or other people's where we hear what god said to do and we see the fulfillment of it and we go that is amazing do you realize that person had to really struggle back there when it was time to do the to do the the, the hard thing of faith that person had to struggle So did I, so will you. That's okay. Allow your heart to trust him and then do what he says. He will make all grace abound toward you. You will have all sufficiency in all things, and you will have an abundance for every good work. When it says that he is the one that supplies seed to the sower, it is to the sower. So if you don't sow, there's no need to give you more seed. You still have seed. He's put seed in your silo. And when he says, sow here, and you go, wow, but I don't want to drain my silo. I'll have nothing left. Why would he give you more? Because you still have seed. When he says to put seed in there, it's not designated yet. It's just seed. And then he'll call it out. And he'll say, take some of your seed and sow it there. Again, I would love to tell some more stories about doing the hard thing, doing the thing that requires faith, and seeing God move. The last verse, and this is where I'm going to close with this. While you are enriched in everything, notice enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. In place of the word thanksgiving, I'm going to use the word worship again. When you find your heart, turned to worship when it comes to finances your heart is right before him. You are trusting him. When you're able to give and, and, and the, the response of that is worship, you're no longer trusting the, the amount of money that you have. You're not trusting in the finances themselves. See, Paul is saying you're enriched and it causes worship on our part. When you see God's hand in your finances... You will worship him more than, more than, like you go, this is impossible. There's no way. There's no way that could have happened. How did that happen? God, you are amazing. You are amazing. See, this is the test for you. And this is where each one has to go to the Lord. You have to go to him by yourself. And then as spouses, go to the Lord together. But each one of you has to find the place in your heart of where do you trust? Who do you trust? Where is your trust placed? Do you have ownership grasping it or do you have stewardship? It's all about trust. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning and this time that we can be reminded of your love and your goodness, your grace, your abundance. Thank you that you have provided your word that we can go and we can dig in and we can find truths and principles of your kingdom. Thank you that you've made it possible that we can enter into the kingdom way of living, that we can enter into the kingdom of God now. We can live by your principles. We can see your hand at work, and we can see your heart. We can know your heart. Father, I pray that every person here that's listening to this or is online or listens to this later, I pray that that their hearts, through all of this, their hearts would be drawn to you with an attitude of simplicity and trust, that our worship would not be turned to any of our things, but that our worship would be turned to you alone, and we would know your goodness and your love toward us. We worship you, and we honor you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.